You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Paul Merriman, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. There's no escaping it. I have spent the last decade worrying about me. Well, not just me, but also my wife and kids, but in general, me. I've been focused on my money, my earning, my investing, I've been talking about financial independence as if it were the holy grail. And after I figured out money, I moved on towards purpose and identity. My purpose and my identity. Me, me, me. We say that personal finance is personal, but is it selfish? Does it draw us away from the greater good and focus too narrowly on personal gain? How do we talk about money and move from me to us? And more importantly, should we? Paul Merriman is a nationally recognized authority on mutual funds, index investing, and asset allocation. After retiring in 2012 from Merriman Wealth Management, which he founded in 1983, Paul created the Merriman Financial Education Foundation, dedicated to providing investors of all ages with free information and tools to make informed decisions in their own best interest and successfully implement the Retirement Savings Program. Paul Meerman, welcome back to Earn and Invest. Let's cut to the chase. Is personal finance inherently selfish? Well, I don't think it's selfish. Uh, I think it's great fun <laughs> at the end of the part of personal finance that I'm in. and 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 the reality is, whether I'm a plumber or an attorney or whatever I am in my life, the idea is I'm doing something to try to help others, and this is something I'm qualified to do. So, no, I don't think it's selfish. I think, by the way, if you're talking about taking care of yourself and your own money, if that's the focus, I think we have a responsibility to do that so that we do not become either a ward of the court and the state or your family. Because I've got four beautiful children, and the last thing I ever want is for them to have to worry about you know, somehow working me into their life because I didn't do the right things and save for the futures. No, I don't find an ounce of selfishness in it. I do think it can go can be taken to the extremes where all you talk about is money. And uh, there are times that my wife will kick me under the table <laughs> and tell me, you know, we're at a party here. <laughs> this is not time for a workshop. It's an interesting concept, right? This idea that if I take care of myself monetarily, I'll also be taking care of other people, my family, my friends. People won't have to worry about me, my retirement, and how I'm doing. That's one level. But then there's the next level where you can also affect the greater world with your knowledge about money. And that's something that you've done very recently. I've heard you describe that recently you had one of the biggest days of your life. Tell us what made it so. Well, you know, my goal is to try to educate people about how to take care of themselves and their money. Uh, if they've got an investment advisor, great. But if they don't have an investment advisor in their life, 
My goal is to teach them the things that they need so they can be an investment advisor to the most important client they'll ever have themselves. And so it's a big responsibility that I have to teach. And I think it's a big responsibility for the individual to learn. And of course, we all know that the earlier we get started in this process, the bigger the impact. I know when I was in the business and somebody came to me at age 70 and said, I need help with my ends, I'm thinking, uh, boy, I hope they have a lot of money because <laughs> there's only so much you can do. But 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 you know, Jordan, that when you get them young, you get them, not only do you get them where you have all of those years of compounding ahead of them, uh, but 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 they they also have not learned all the bad lessons yet. And Wall Street will cer certainly soon be teaching them bad lessons. So, so I when I when I retired, I actually the the primary goal of, of the foundation was not to do what I'm doing here today. It was to underwrite a a a, a class at Western Washington University, and this class was to teach people not about personal finance. Uh, I, I'm not an expert on personal finance. I'm an expert on personal investing. And there was no such class. And I thought there should be a class. So I went to the administration and I said, if I write the checks, will you and tell me how much it will be? Uh, and And let's start teaching this class. And it worked. We filled every quarter starting in 2013. They took the maximum number of students that it would take, and it was about 50, 50 students. So, you know, three or four times a year, I had a shot, in essence, with this information. I didn't teach the class. A professor or adjunct professor taught the class, but I was uh, I was sponsoring it, and I would teach every quarter. I love teaching that class. So I did that, and then I realized, wait a minute. This is not working. I'm getting to a couple hundred dollar, a couple hundred uh, students a year, and it was costing me fifty thousand dollars to underwrite that program. I need to figure out what could I do that every student that comes through Western will get exposure to this this information they need, and not, by the way, just a personal investing. But budgeting and insurance and mortgages and all those things that they're going to run into in their real life once they graduate. So I started lobbying the administration. And of course, they they had just put up with me long enough to get me to do this one class. Now I'm on their back about doing something more. And I went on for years and negotiating. And finally, finally. The deans agreed, and the and the president was behind it, and and everybody, the the, the staff there was behind it uh, because the staff is one of the recipients of the information we created. Of course, they had to put the stamp of approval. I had to be willing, my wife and I, to give money to have this happen, but to endow a program that will mean that every student who comes through Western will be exposed to about 40 hours of financial literacy. And that is a lot compared to nothing. And, uh, and, and, and of course, it isn't just, and this, this was amazing to me. I mean, this was uh, uh, like a, a, an honest-to-God present to me because when I opened up the contract, and there's a lot of details in the contract, they're not just talking about this process helping the students. There is also an adult uh, aspect of it where there will be classes for the adults. Over half of the kids that come to this college are first-generation uh, college students. And, and, and so their parents, likely in many cases, are not experts at this. They threw that on the table, that, that, that there would be that adult education aspect. They included me teaching the staff at the university. I want everybody to come out of there, and it'll change their life. I mean, this is, you know, Jordan, 
when you think about giving money, and my wife and I, we love to, we love to give money. We we have a lot of things that we care about, including the arts and people who don't have enough food. There's there's a whole range of things, but it is hard to find ways where you can give and have that giving continue in essence forever, teaching something that I know is of great value to every one of those students. They may not see it. As a matter of fact, I teach those classes. A lot of, a lot of them just figure I'm another capitalist pig, and, uh, and, and they give me a bad time about that. And I laugh, and I tell them how I feel about that and why it's important for them to be part of this process. But, but the bottom line is their children and their children's children, there is a tradition that will be created for some, not all, but for some. And I will just tell you, from the one class that I've been working with since 2013, I get letters every year saying this was the most important class I had at Western. Well, it is probably because they can see very specifically how it's going to change their life. And, uh, and of course, I'd love to give them all A's, but I was outvoted on that. I just wanted to give them a hundred questions, multiple choice questions, that if they could just answer those 100 uh, by the end of the quarter, far as I'm concerned, they got an A in my book because there are very few investors who can answer a hundred questions about investing, and these students can. So, Paul, you're being a little bit humble in the sense that you're talking about the impact and the range of this program. But one thing you haven't talked about is the cost of this program. Now, we're talking about 40 hours of education for every student. You're throwing in parents. And I know that there was also some allocation for younger kids in the elementary, middle and high school levels. Yes. Yes. How much did you donate to this cause, if you're willing to tell us? Well, I, I am. It is public because because they announced it at Western. And and I know why they announced it. First of all, they're using me as the person to build the foundation because the 3.6 million that we committed, that that is not going to cover all of the costs of this program. But but it was about all that I felt that we could that we could do. Uh I have the good fortune of having children who had a father who, when he started a business, uh, gave them over half of it. Uh, I started the business for fun, Jordan. I did not start it to make money. I had no idea what it was going to become over the 30 years that we built our investment advisory firm. But, but if, because my kids actually, as a group, have more money than I do, because I gave them over half of the company, I don't have to worry about them anymore. And so I feel, I feel, I, I feel relieved. I, I mean, I honestly, I do not worry about money anymore. I don't have an ounce of anxiety because one, we oversaved. Hmm. And boy, if there's anything you want to do to take the anxiety off the table, have more than you need. And two, God, I happen to come from an industry where almost everybody could use a little bit of what we have to teach. Even if I, if, if, if we promised them 12 secrets and they only got one, that one would be enough to change their financial life. And, 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 and you, you don't have to be real smart to teach this. You just have to know the answers to those 100 multiple choice questions. I want to contrast this idea of philanthropy and building that into your financial plan, which you clearly did. And you've come to this, this realization that at your age, where you are, you have enough money. You and I were both privileged enough to be at the Bogleheads conference recently. Lots of guys like us, old curmudgeonly, you know, quote unquote, financial experts. And we spend an inordinate amount of time talking about things like 30-year tips ladders, Right. This idea that how do you protect your income and make sure you yeah. don't run out of money and aren't worried about this wiggle room of the stock market as you get older. Contrast this to this idea of I'm going to take $3.6 million, remove it from my personal assets and put it towards philanthropy. 
I feel like there's a disconnect here, right? This kind of like, how do you, how are you comfortable enough to say, I have this chunk of money and I can take that and, and, and pretty much give it away. Like, how did you build that into your modeling of your own finances? You know, I thought a little bit about this at the Bogleheads conference, the difference between myself and the people who are there. Uh, many of them, of course, are engineers, people who love numbers and and the idea of paying a penny more for a, for a mutual fund, even if it makes 5% more in return. It's an anathema. I'm yes. going to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> you know something? I don't even think about this part of my life because I actually have, my wife and I have an investment advisor who takes care of everything. I don't have time in my life to be thinking about tips or or tax lofts harvesting. Life is way too short to focus on that. And so so it 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 really I have unburdened myself from some things that a lot of people have a big hang up about. And and so I'm happy that that happened. Uh, but on the other hand, I think there's something in our DNA. I never worked for money. I worked because I loved what I was doing, whether I was selling clothes in high school or selling records in high school, uh, working after school, doing things. I was having fun. I always had fun when I was selling. And here I am, selling. I mean, you, you, you can say that, we can say I'm a teacher, but I'm trying to sell something that I can't guarantee. I don't even, I have no idea what the future will bring. And I will proudly stand up in, in, in front of a bunch of young people and say, here's what you should do with your money. How do I know? I don't know. I just love the process of teaching and trying to help others. And when we can get leverage, and this is the thing that I love about this project at Western. It isn't just that I go up there and get all hot and bothered and make presentations to the, the students because, because I become a carnival barker with those kids. I have two hours with them every year, every quarter, and I want to make sure that I leave an impact. But to know that there's a whole team of deans, not only of the business and economics department, but the English and the physics and the biology, I mean, all of these schools are behind this project. And 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 so I, I think it is going to be, and like you mentioned, they've even set it up so that kids, students at Western are going to go into the schools in Bellingham. And by the way, it isn't just Bellingham, Washington, where the main, main campus is. They have satellite campuses around the state. And they've promised me that they're going to work in those satellites to promote financial literacy. So it's it's I've got a battalion. I, I don't know how many are in a battalion, but I've got a battalion of soldiers out there that I think that are going to going to help us get this information and 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 help. By the way, there's nothing that parents like. I shouldn't say this. Nothing that parents like better than thinking that their kids are getting a total education. You know, you may not know this, Jordan, but the reason that this is not commonly found is because the people at the educational academic end see this kind of information as something you learn in a trade school. Yep. This is not a university course. And yet, at the end of the day, there is no area in their life that more people are going to try to scam them than in the area of financial decisions, because somebody invariably is hiding something that if you just knew to ask for a better price, you would get it. I mean, there are just a lot of things people don't know. Once you get this particular topic out on the table and you educate these young people, they have just lifted one of the major reasons for divorce, and that is the inability of couples to communicate about these topics. And if you don't ever have to go to your parents for a loan, although I insist you do, uh, for your first five years of your Roth IRA before you can afford to fund it yourself, but if you don't ever go to your parents for a loan, you can't believe how happy they're going to be that they don't have to deal with that 
possibility of having two children. One has paid the loan back and the other hasn't. And we've got this problem now. And, and, and so there's just a hundred, if not more problems that are solved once people get to how to be a prudent and critical thinker. This is all it's about. Critical thinking. It's You go up to a fork in the road. That fork in the road has implications, whether you load versus no load or stocks versus bonds. or I mean, there's all these very simple forks in the road. And all you have to do is understand what those two forks represent. And a high school kid can make that same decision if you show them the facts. Paul, you know, it hits me this idea that you gave your money to something you care deeply about. This is something people do all the time, right? They have their, in fact, yearly donations, right? They put their money away. They send it to whatever they're passionate about, and then they kind of move on with their life. You sound like this is a little different, though. You, in a sense, created a job for yourself over the next bunch of years. Talk about not just giving money, but this idea of being intentional and involved even after the check is written. Well, my students know, and this commitment will be made when there are more students getting this information, that I am available at paul at paulmerriman.com, and that all that I ask that they do is put a certain couple of words in the subject line, and I will know from whence this this email came, and that I will try my best to respond. But that I do, and I think that's important to know that there's going to be a, a continuation of education beyond this. As a matter of fact, one of the really, I think, so cool is there's some software and some and some online information that these students are going to get as a part of the process. And they are going to learn to use a piece of software and a database that when they graduate, they get to take with them for life. Mm. So they will have worked in the classroom with it and and so as they come to forks in the road, uh, they are uh, they're going to be able to go back and review uh, things that they learned as, in terms of the best thing to do. And on top of that, I love teaching, and uh, I do a piece every year for seniors who are about to graduate, and I go up and I talk to them for two hours about what I think they should be doing. And the reason I think that one is important is because they're right at the cusp of actually using a lot of this information. Uh, and if, if if they don't know what a target date fund is and uh, and how to put it together with possibly one other fund in order to give it a a, a little rocket booster, uh, I will have I will have failed. And uh, but I want to be there to remind them of what they've been learning because this uh, this information is beautifully spread out over four years. It isn't all just one year. The information is attempted to be to to be given to the student that they need at the point that they are as a student. So when they come in as a as a freshman and they're having to borrow money, uh, what do they know about budgeting? It's surprising how little they know about budgeting, and yet. They are about to build something into their budget that we all know can get out of hand if you don't understand how it fits. And I think it's important too. And I'm, I, I'm of course, I'm very excited about all this. So I'm, I'm very, I'm high if you want to call it that. Uh, but, but the reality is, a lot of those kids who come in there as freshmen don't stay the course. And the number one reason they run out of money. And so if we can help keep that from happening, uh, I, I think that will be in and of itself uh, a huge step because, you know, the first thing is they will hopefully graduate and make more money because of it. They'll graduate and have a possibly a better career because of it. Uh, and and a whole bunch of things happen uh, once you have that that degree. You don't have to have a degree, obviously, to get ahead in life, but all of the surveys show that there is better compensation and, in many cases, more enjoyment of what people do once they have a degree and can move up uh, within whatever industry they go they go into. So 
Uh, as you know, Jordan, money touches virtually every part of our life. Every. I can't find a part of our life that money doesn't somehow have a little bit to do with it. We are talking to Paul Merriman. He's a nationally recognized authority on mutual funds, index investing, and asset allocation. And we started with the provocative question, is personal finance selfish? We're going to move on to philanthropy and how to build it into your financial plan. But first, we're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, purposeful cockpit-like driving position, and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R. USA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. This episode is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, if you're like me, you thought at one point in your life that having enough money would solve all of your problems. And guess what? It didn't for me, and it probably isn't for you. But you know what helps quite a bit? Therapy. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It definitely did for me, and when I used BetterHelp, I found that I was learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowered me to be the best version of myself, and it's not for just those people who've experienced major trauma. You might be like me. Maybe you got to the point where financially you were successful and yet you still found that life's problems hadn't been all solved. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash earn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash E-A-R-N. We are back with Paul Meerman. After retiring in 2012 from Meerman Wealth Management, which he founded in 1983, Paul created the Meerman Financial Education Foundation, dedicated to providing investors of all ages with free information and tools to make informed decisions in their own best interest and successfully implement the retirement savings program. And we are talking philanthropy. He recently gave $3.6 million to Western Washington University to develop a financial curriculum for every single one of the people who come through their doors, as well as he has offered and donated his time in order to teach. Paul, let's talk about giving. Why give now as opposed to making it part of your financial planning for? or estate planning? Like, why not give after you die? Because I know a lot of people are worried about running out of money. And the simple solution is, let's donate after we die. Let's make sure it's earmarked for something that's important. Well, as as a matter of fact, uh, all of our giving is a balance between now and when we die. We have an, all of that planned out. I am a by-the-numbers person. I'm comfortable with that. Uh, my wife and I, we take our annual distribution to live on the first week of the year. We take 5% of whatever's left over in the previous year, and that's what we have. And our goal is to give 30% of that money away uh, each year. And so we we have everything uh, is part of a plan, whether it is what we are doing now or what we do later. And And in fact, even... Uh, the last pieces of the estate, as as they get divided between the f- the four children, 
Uh, actually, there's a fifth child. It's called, it's called more giving uh, to things that are important to us. So there are so many ways you can you can create a, a, a mechanical a, a formula approach. Uh, what is interesting? I've served on a number of boards, and um, I, I, the studies I think say that it's very common at about age 62. I don't know what's well, because there people probably are feeling like they have enough, and uh, and I must admit, when I was very young, I, I gave time, but I didn't give much money. Uh, I felt that I needed to get to a a certain a certain financial level before I started giving away, uh, and once I reached that. Then it became it really became easy because I, I wasn't putting my financial future at risk, uh, and and I think you know Jordan at the end of the day this is probably no different than why why am I fifty percent stocks and fifty percent bonds? It's because it's what I'm comfortable with. I could be all stocks. I have friends who are older than I, and they're all in equities. And I say, whoa, that really impresses me because I just, that doesn't fit who I am. I'm more defensive than that. And I think whether it's investing or giving, uh, again, I believe in mechanical answers to emotional problems. And, and so my view has been, to, in essence, put everything on automatic, but make sure that what you have on on automatic includes all the things you think your plan should have uh, in terms of, of of giving and living. My old company, I'm, I'm trying to remember what uh, the tagline was, uh, invest wisely and live fully. That's what it was. And I really, I really believe in, in that. And of course, you and I both know that investing wisely when you're 21 or 25, really gives you the possibility of being able to live fully and to give fully. Young people are absolutely amazed at something that is so simple. They cannot believe the impact of the first five years of investing hmm. and what it does over a lifetime. And I do something that others don't in teaching that. A lot of people think in terms of what is your money worth when you're 65 or you're 70? That, that is not what I focus on. I focus on how much money did you take out of your investments in retirement and how much did you leave to others? Because the combination of those two things are the real returns on your investments. The rest of it is just blue sky. You know, it's a provocative question. You started answering this question by saying when you were young, you gave your time. And then when you felt like you had enough, you started giving your money. And then you also said those first five years, especially of saving and investing, are so important. It does beg the question, what? young people should do? Because there's a lot of young people who are listening to us right now and they're inspired. And they're like, I want to be like Paul Merriman. I want to use my money for good. I want to yeah. give. But they're also maybe in their 20s or 30s. They're still building their wealth. Should we be giving financially early or should we be giving our time and holding our money until later on? How how does a young person navigate this? Well, I, I, that's a tough one. Um, and not everybody would agree with me, but I think I'd it's kind of the way that I faced that challenge, uh, and that was to wait on the giving. Because if you wait on the giving and you're able to take advantage of those early years, remember there might be a match in there, Jordan, that somebody's going to get because, because they didn't give uh, uh, to, to the, the church or whatever body they're working with. Um, uh, that payoff is so big. That's why I encourage, there's two things uh, I encourage young people to do. One is get a second job. Find a way to make enough money that you can fund your, your Roth IRA uh, at least. Uh, and, and even if it means you do something that 
is um, is is certainly below you and your and your degree you got. Just get that money, and and if you have the good fortune of having a grandparent or a parent uh, who could afford to loan you the money, as you know, you cannot borrow against an IRA, so you cannot use the IRA as collateral or as considered to be constructive receipt, and you have just cashed it out. So you don't want to do that. But if if my kids got a sweetheart deal, uh, and and, in that particular case, I just, I I put in up to whatever that that amount was that they made up to the limit. uh, I didn't match what they put in. If you made it, I put money into that account because I'm going to leave it to you now or I'm going to leave it to you later. And God, the impact of, of, of putting away early. But but if 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 a gift is uncomfortable, go to the parent or the grandparent and say, I have a plan. I mean, this is the thing about a plan. If, if you're a venture capitalist and you went out to people and you sat down at the big table and you didn't have a plan, but I, I got an idea, but no plan. You're not getting any money, I don't think. So you go in with a plan, and the plan is, look, I'm going to be working hard, and um, and I've got student debt. Uh, I, I would like to borrow some money from you. Uh, I'd like to borrow the amount of, of, of a Roth IRA for the first five years. And at the end of five years, I will start paying you over a period of years. It could be 20 years. If the interest rate is good enough, like 5 or 6%, then that may or may not be good then. It was at one time. and But that, but that you would make a deal because, one, they're going to get the money back. The fact that you have a plan almost suggests that you're an honorable person. The fact that you actually thought it through and be able to show them the implications of putting that money, not everything in the future, but that first five years into the S&P 500 or into a target date fund, something where you are all or mostly in equities. And you know what I'm going to do, Gramps? I'm going to put money into equities. And from everything I know about the past, that money that you've been kind enough to loan me I'm going to keep it in equities until the day I die. And that money is not only going to pay your great-grandkids and and great-great-grandkids a a bonus, but it's it's going to mean a lot to, to our lives because this is the money that's got an honest possibility or probability of a 10% compound rate of return. The plan is important. So you're talking about giving to charity, academic institutions. You're talking about giving to your kids and grandkids. I'm going to make an assumption here. You can blame me for this, but I'm going to make an assumption, Paul. I've now seen you in person. We've been to Bogleheads together. And I am guessing that you do not live high on the hog. Like you're not dressed in a $1,000 suit. You're not bragging about all the trips around the world you've taken and the expensive yachts and cruises and first class. Why not spend on yourself more as opposed to you know, giving to these good for nothing grandkids or to these academic institutions, why not maybe live a little higher level of lifestyle yourself? Well, first of all, I think I live a fantastic lifestyle. I do have this in common with Bogleheads. I'm frugal. Uh, the, the, my wife makes me buy clothes. <laughs> I mean, she takes me and we buy clothes. And I tried to go back to where I got the last one and get the same thing again. You know, she's now. So those kind of things don't don't really mean much to me. I had this feeling I was in high school, the UGN chairman, co-chairperson for raising money for United Good Neighbors. Uh, I did a whole bunch of things like that where I could put time into it. So giving has always been great fun for me. And I and I had a mother who believed in giving of herself. And uh, the other thing is she taught me to be nice to everybody you meet in your life, uh, regardless of, of whether they feel right at this moment in your life. You just don't know them yet. 
And, and, and that had an impact on me. And I also believe that a lot of people do need a, a hand up. Uh, and the fact that we may have to give kids a hand up and tell them, you will take this course. Uh, uh, that, 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 I think, uh, is, is fantastic because we all need a leg up. We have two adopted Chinese daughters. They are powerhouses. We, they both came from China. And and uh, they would not have had a successful career in China coming out of an orphanage. But they came and they were given a hand up. Uh, and I only mean they were given an opportunity to get an education. And one has an MBA and the other has two masters in education. They are all-stars. They were already all-stars. They just need somebody to open that door. And so that this is, uh, I think it's the nature of some other people. I know this from having asked people for money. And boy, do I, I love asking people for money when I was trying to manage their money. But to ask people to give money where there's no return necessarily, I was always uncomfortable about that. I'm still uncomfortable about that. Um, but on the other hand, I have always enjoyed helping. And I think that some people are like that. Other people do not give. It's interesting that some of the some of the people, a lot of the people who have way more than they need, are just unwilling to give, and they may just have pure scarcity issues, and are afraid that they're going to run out of money before they run out of life. I understand how that could be because some people do that. By the way, not, not a concern of yours, though. No, not at all, because I oversaved and I invest conservatively. So this is obviously not you, but I could hear other people saying we should give that money to the kids, like not not to some university, not something like that. But this should go to the kids and the grandkids. You know, it brings up an important issue of how we decide how to separate that money. Right. We, we do want to help our next generations. We want to make sure they live good and positive lives. How do we balance that with giving to people who are you're not related to or institutions or maybe having a kind of broader impact outside of your family? Well, let's talk about the grandkids for just one second, because <laughs> because uh, it is true. My grandchildren are not in the will. Uh, my grandchildren are each given ten thousand dollars when they are born. And that money is invested uh, in a way that it will grow. And and my latest grandchild was born just a year ago. And so she got her $10,000. Her mother put it in an account. This will not shock you that I found a way to bring up the term small cap value. <laughs> yes, it does not shock me at all. <laughs> <laughs> but it's half in small cap value and half in the S&P 500 for a very particular reason, that particular combination. And it is there to fund a Roth IRA. And if that child wants to cash that Roth IRA out, they're going to understand the implications of who it came from, because I'll likely be dead when she's 18. They're, they're, they're going to know who it came from, what the dream was that that person had for them with that money. And if they blow it, uh, that will be one of life's lessons. But the rest of it is, all my kids are doing just fine. And there's no reason for them to be super rich. There's no reason for me to be super rich. Uh, and um, and I work on him about giving. My son is wonderful about it, but he's 58 years old. He's supposed to be wonderful at it. Typically, what we give to is something that we are somehow close to. I'm talking about writing big checks. How close could I be to Western? I went there at 19, married, had my first child there. Fell in love with a man who was one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life, Professor Thaddeus Spratlin. Had no idea that Thaddeus and his wife, Lois, who I also fell in love with, would be friends for the rest of their lives until they died. I have oh so many reasons why I am willing to do this 
for Western Washington, not Eastern Washington, not Central Washington University, but the one that I started my my life with as, as an individual, not as a child at home. And, and so I'm giving to something that it's like a child. It's like a, a relative to me. I absolutely love what that school does and their dedication to helping the students. On Bainbridge Island, we helped the Bainbridge Performing Arts, where my wife for a couple of years was the president of the that, and we helped the Bainbridge Island Art Museum. Um, the, we, we try to help arrange certainly the Community Foundation every year. I combined with the Community Foundation sponsor Financial Literacy Month in April on the island. So, um, you know, it's it's just something that I think we learn to do or we don't learn to do. But for people who money is precious and the feel of it is precious and to count it is precious, I think it's hard for them to give it away. I don't see it as being that kind of precious. Well, Paul, at the end of every episode, I usually try to tell my guests, tell the audience what I got out of our conversation. And at the beginning of this conversation, I thought it was going to be something about philanthropy or giving or how you build that into your financial framework. But I can't help but thinking about Ken Honda and his theory of happy money, this idea that there is happy money flow. In the beginning of your life, especially, you do work that you're joyful and passionate about, and then people happily give you their money because they care about what you're doing. Maybe in your case, it was you were helping them manage their money. So there was a lot, a lot of love and happiness behind the money that allowed you to build your financial future. And then your job is to then lovingly use that money, not to hoard it, not to put it in some bank account, but to then spend it on your what makes you happy and what you think adds happiness in the world. So there's this flow of happy money that comes in when you're doing things you're passionate about. And then your job is then to disperse it out there into the world and cause more happiness. And that is exactly what it sounds like you've done your whole profession and certainly done now with this contribution of $3.6 million to Western Washington University to help educate not only the next generation, but the current generation and generally help people do better with money. We'll end the end of this episode the way and every episode by asking you what is up next in your life and how people can reach out to you. So first and foremost, what's next for Paul Merriman? Well, you know, there's so many good things have happened to me recently. I feel like I, I need to rest uh, a little <laughs> bit in between it because being at the Boglehead Conference, what a high. I have waited for years. That was a, it, was a, it was a blast, yeah. It was, I really, and I hope to go back uh, in the future. We'll, we'll see if I get invited back. But, but these kind of things, we have uh, Margie Baxley is the one who takes care of our website. And uh, we have a thing called a happy dance. We, we won't do it in front of people. But but we when we have been through something that really makes us happy, we do a happy dance. And the things that now that make me think of of the happy dance for me is the steps that are now that need to be taken to make all of this work at Western. The work is not done. The framework is there. The money that they need is there. And 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 they're out talking to other people. But I need to be working to, to make sure that that moves forward and uh, and that I support that. The, I think the other thing is that I had set out to try to get our books, they're free, into the hands of a million people. I have not made it yet, Jordan. And and we're talking millions, 12 simple ways to to uh, supercharge your retirement. Uh, I think I've got about 900,000 more free books to distribute. And uh, and so I'm seeing myself being a, doing a happy dance in about two years hmm. uh, around having made that one million free copies out there. And uh, I'll be depending on people like you to to tell others about it because 
Uh, that too, I think, is going to change people's lives. I think it will, and it has, and that's why I've been happy to have you on the podcast multiple times, including to discuss that book. Tell us if people want to reach out to you personally or directly, is there an easy way for them to get in touch with you? Paul at paulmerriman.com. If they want to dig into the to, to the information before they get a hold of me, and I would recommend they go to boot camp if they're gonna if they're really serious about our work, go to boot camp. But but uh, then I think you'll have questions to ask, uh, and and uh, and I will know by your question whether you've been to boot camp or not. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a warning. So, but I will help. I will help. Paul Merriman, thank you so much for coming on Earn and Invest today, and for all you do. Thank you, Jordan. I've enjoyed it as always. That's a wrap. Earn and Invest is now part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to this show as well as other fine podcasts. Okay, I'll admit it. Paul Meerman is my hero. Just listen to him talk about his career and money and meaning and purpose. This is clearly a guy who's enjoyed what he has done, has found great purpose in what he's done for his whole career and his joy and his wish to affect the next generation are just so amazingly clear I can't help but be inspired. Philanthropy is difficult. I think many of us in the personal finance world, especially in the financial independence world, struggle with this idea of having enough money to support ourselves, worrying about the possibility of running out, but also the idea that our money should go to something greater than us. Maybe we should be giving more. Maybe we should be supporting charities All this money we've now accrued, all this investing knowledge we now have is a boon. Why not share that boon with the rest of the world? So there's a tension there, a tension between fear of having enough for ourselves versus the want to change the world and help other people through our economic boons. We didn't talk a lot about this in the episode, but I think Paul really touched on it What he especially did early in his life is, well, he did two things that I think really are important for those of us who are afraid of running out. First and foremost, we can give our time instead of money. And so I think this is really critical, especially when we're young and especially when we don't have a lot of excess we're building towards our financial independence goal or trying to get our emergency fund straight or whatever we're doing. If you then can at least volunteer some of your time to help other people, I believe that's just as good if not better than giving money, and it's something you can do no matter where you fall on the economic spectrum. The other goal that Paul really gave us, and we didn't spend a huge amount of time talking about this, is the idea that you take charity work and put it into your budget. So if you're going to give to charity every year or every month, it should become a budget item. And therefore, when you're looking at, for instance, your financial independence number, trying to figure out how much money you need to slow down at work or have enough to retire, look at your yearly spending and make sure that giving is a budgetary entry. It's part of that yearly budget. If you do that, it gets baked into all of your personal finance numbers it gets baked into all of your planning and estimation. Now, that doesn't mean that later on, when you are successful and investing has gone well and you get older, if you have extra money left over, you certainly can continue to give more. You can give extra, but if you bake it into your budget, especially when you're younger, it'll be just another expense, just like housing and transportation and food and fun. Those are all expenses that we build into our budget anyway. Why not build giving in in much the same way? I think it's really a brilliant way to tackle this problem. It allows us to both save build towards our goal of financial independence, as well as use our money to affect the world outside of us. And I think one last lesson that we get from Paul is even when he's giving his money, 
he gives his money, in this case, to Western Washington University. But it's not just money he's giving. That money is also going to come with a teaching commitment. So not only when you get older and you can give money to charity, you can still give your time. And maybe that is the strongest effect we have on other people. Not only when we give our money to an important cause, but then lend our time and our caring and our attention to it. I believe that's when we have the most impact. And you all know that my belief about happiness is it has nothing to do with how much money we accrue. It doesn't even necessarily have to do with purpose. It has to do with the communities and connections we make. And giving is a great way to become part of a community. You become part of the community of givers, but you also become part of the community of the cause that you give to. I think there's something for everyone in this episode with Paul Merriman. I am so amazed at not only his generosity, but his knowledge and his passion. Like I said, he's a true role model. And I can only hope as I get older, I can follow his example and do much as he has done. Awesome. I keep things running just for a few minutes to catch our chat for the after show. Um, yes. I, I really do mean that from the bottom of my heart. You just do so much good for people. And um, and it's it's inspiring to people like me who are like, okay, this is what this is what this is supposed to look like. And I think so many of us don't know actually what it's supposed to look like. So I, I really appreciate you just being out there and, and being open about who you are and what you do. Cause it's one thing to do it, but the other thing is to be willing to talk about it. And I know, you know, I get the feeling you're not, you're not a braggart. <laughs> I never got that feeling from you. And I, I, it's hard to talk about your own stuff too, but it's so important. You know, it's, um, I'm a failed person in many ways. I mean, this is what I love about getting, when you get to know the whole story, Mm-hmm. Uh, with each of us, I think there's there's success and there's failure. I went through three divorces. Hmm. I know bear markets better than most people know bear markets. I know what a 50% loss feels like. The market doesn't have to go down 50% to have you lose 50% of what you own. I have overworked. And that's why one of the things about needing a break, I have had a hard time. Uh, saying no to, mm. to people, uh, which is probably common about people who are willing to help. And so that's what I have to deal with, is to learn how to say no at the same time as I don't give up on the people who already count on me. Yeah, this, uh, and I was, I was a little trying to get at this point too with this idea of spending more on yourself, right? As opposed to giving so much, what if you spent yes. a little more on yourself? This idea of pampering yourself, and that doesn't necessarily have to be monetarily. But do you struggle with this idea of pampering yourself, of giving I, yourself, I, whether it be time, space, or something extra nice, whether it be again a financial thing or not? Well, while the places we live in are not fancy. They're nice. I mean, we have a home on the water on Bainbridge Island. Mm. That's a wonderful place to be. We are uh, a block away from uh, four or six pickleball courts. Uh, that's a nice place to be in, in the world. We have amazing friends on Bainbridge. We used to go to San Miguel de Allende. Which I love, yeah, yeah. It is just we, we gorgeous, gorgeous. There for fifteen years, and we loved our time there. But it was so difficult to get our dogs in and out mm-hmm. that we sold it, and we now just moved in to a place in Rancho Mirage, uh, just outside of Palm Springs. That is because somebody I love loves the sun. I love a good internet connection. <laughs> and so I can't, uh, I, I have to say, yes, I never was, I never flew first class. Uh, and, and she has negotiated that we fly most places 
first class. When I came back to uh, uh, to the Bogleheads, I flew coach. Uh, I was sitting between two people as I flew back uh, because uh, because I didn't want the the foundation to be paying for first class for me because uh, that's the only thing I get reimbursed for my expenses from the foundation. Uh, so, so I, I am not sacrificing and, uh, and I've been able to help my kids. All my kids are financially, I mean, I did, I did it by mistake. I had no idea what I was giving them when I gave it to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but it's what happened. And, and so it's, it's theirs and, and they've reaped the rewards of that. And yet not a one has misused that right. Which I just think is is marvelous. Tech moves fast, so keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts. You care about your money. Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily, wherever you get your podcasts.